Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Tuesday, June 30th. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is the early line right here on SportsGrid, giving you the edge on the last day of June. I'm Dane Martinez. He's Kevin Walsh, and we put the fun in functional sports content. Kev, we have been talking for a while about, like, the Cam Newton market, right? We've been thinking it's very interesting. Like, if he is healthy, he's obviously a value add. We went through those odds a number of times. We played game team by team. Where might he land? And there was a team that was always out there, right, that was always kind of one of the favorites, on the odds, if you looked at it, I believe um, it was plus 550. Our guy, Jared Smith, hit it and put it out there on social media yesterday. What Cam Newton has signed with the New England Patriots, Kevin. And there's so many kind of like threads to pull on here. The first one I have to ask you about is, what does this mean for Jared Stidham and the incredible confidence the Patriots had in him going into year two. Yeah, it was a lot of fluff, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. I mean, clearly they just, they weren't buying Jared Stidham. I saw someone say um, the idea that they were going to start someone that got benched in blowout minutes right. is laughable. And the thing is, it was always ridiculous. It's why you and I, when we went through the Patriots as a team, we were like, look, I get they keep saying good things about him, but based on what? Nothing. So this has always made sense. I do think it's funny because I personally feel as if you reading the context of the signing, they're making mm-hmm. it sound like it's a full-on quarterback competition. Now, yes, if Cam Newton right looks awful, then I guess Stidham could take the job. Jared Stidham is not going to beat out Cam right. Newton for that job. If he does, it's not a good thing. It's not. By the way, thing. Kevin, neither will Brian Hoyer. Right. Thanks for coming, <laughs> Brian Hoyer. I just like, wanted, you know, you want to no. know, you never got to throw that in, right? right. And, and they did throw him in as, as a part of this whole thing. But yeah, I think for Jared Stidham, what's happening is, to be honest, like what should have happened? He's going to be a backup quarterback that got drafted late in a draft, and he'll stick around if something goes wrong. He'll have the chance to maybe start a game or two, but he is not the short or long-term option for this football team. Yeah, absolutely. And remember, you say if something happens, we've discussed it until we're blue in the face. In this year, anything can happen because everyone is questionable, right, Cam? So, you know, Jazz Stidham still might get a start at some point this year. Remember, Cam Newton is coming back from injury, has missed some time. We also know gets hit up more than most quarterbacks, right? Gets refereed a little bit differently, but that's a different topic for a different day. You know, Kev, I want to go into the contract, though. You talked about it being like an open competition. It is a heavily... Uh, quote-unquote, incentive-laden deal, right? But I was intrigued to see that he could, Kev, get up to $7.5 million, okay? Like, Jameis signed for a million dollars, right? The Red Rifle, I believe, got something like four, some of these other backup kind of situations. And there were people out there our own colleagues included, right, that were saying, oh, Cam has to look himself in the mirror and realize he's asking for too much money. Well, Kev... Seven and a half million is a lot more than any of these other quarterbacks that were out there on the street ultimately got more than Andy Dalton, more than Jameis Winston, more than Mike Glennon out there, right? So this seems to make it like the league or at least the Patriots understand that Cam Newton still, if healthy, is one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL and is being paid, you know, not with the $20, $30 million. It's still a little bit of a prove it, rehab his rep, but perfect place to do it. And, you know, there's still probably a lot left in the tank, right? And he's being paid as such. Well, yeah, I, I think, you know, them being able to put him on the minimum deal, but yeah. also be able to say, listen, if you check some of these boxes, and you'd have to think Makes sense. they're probably, you know, games played based, if we got to the playoffs, if we win the division, those type of things. And... 
that's all fair. I, I think part of the reason why his base salary isn't more is he signed while the leverage was not on his side. And we talked about that quite a bit. The right. idea of Cam waiting it out and mm-hmm. landing himself a starting job. To be fair, when you scope the rest of the league, right, this was the one spot if the Patriots wanted to win. And again, that's why we had to keep kind right. of going back and forth on this, right? Like they were co-favorites for the AFC East at the time. They were had this, you know, they were big minus money to mm-hmm. make the playoffs. And we were like, Stidham is kind of a quarterback that you just roll out there. And if he's terrible, you figure it out in the draft. Okay. But Gardner Minshew play, right? Right. But the Patriots had a roster and certainly a coaching situation where if they upgraded the quarterback position, you would start to think, oh, this team is going to try and make a push. And that's what they've done here with Cam. And for Cam, he now goes to somewhere where he will compete for a playoff spot. It is the organization that represents winning in this league. And really, as long as Cam is okay, he'll have no trouble getting a starting job, which at the time wasn't really in the cards when you look throughout the league. Yeah, absolutely. We thought the the prudent choice would maybe be to wait for an injury, which could change the kind of demand for Cam Newton. But instead, he goes to a place where, you know, he'll get some coaching. He'll get a culture of rehabilitation, potentially, like, you know, show how he could be a good teammate. And then after this year, similar to Jameis, maybe there will be some potential for him. You know, we had a piece of, uh, we have some sound here from Devin McCourty, who was talking about how, listen, it's great to bring in Cam, you know, another veteran, and also the idea of competition, always being good, right? So I wanted you to hear this sound from Devin McCourty, and then I got a question for you, Kev. Excited to add another good player. And like you said, more competition is going to bring the best out of all of us. And we know that alone in our secondary um, on our team, the amount of competition and, and solid players that we have on the back end and how each day of practice we all just continue to push each other uh, and try to reach different levels of greatness. Okay, Kev. So, you know, McCourty's like, yeah, competition in the quarterback room is great. But is it really competition? You're saying there's no chance he doesn't beat out Stidham and Hoyer. Isn't this really like, hey, Cam, stay healthy for the next three months and you're going to be QB1? Yeah, and that that is based on a talent thing, right? Like, with, with Cam coming in and being new, yeah, there's competition, right, that'll basically be played out based on how they look. But Cam Newton has that talent level, especially compared to Jared Stidham and Brian Hoyer, right. that upon first look, you'll know, right, that Cam's going to be the guy. So I think it's okay to say, yeah, listen, it's great to have quarterback competition because what you also do if we're going to continue to be concerned about the injuries with Cam Newton, right? Because I think nobody has said without the caveat, if healthy, and that's fine, right? But if we're going to continue to talk about it, then we have to be aware there's a chance that then he is not healthy and you're going to have to turn to Jared Stidham. looks fine, though. (laughs) Oh, no, no. I think it looks great. I'm excited about all of this. I'm just saying is I believe then you should still at least try and keep Stidham's confidence somewhat up right you don't want to just toss them aside and be like thank goodness we're not doing that so what put me in the mind of jared stidham right now then what do you mean like isn't this a ready shot like he's been hyped up for the last two months like he's gonna be under center we really like him he's gonna be able to grab the brass ring and then this move signals that no 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 no. remember we had the same conversation kev when the jaguars decided to bring in andy dalton instead of a guy like cam newton and we talked about the idea of what kind of pressure does the person you bring in apply to the incumbent and we talked about how maybe mike glennon doesn't really apply pressure to Gardner Minshew. We've had plenty of debates about the level of pressure that Nick Foles applies to Mitchell Trubisky. And boy, do I have a note on that, Kev. I don't know if you've seen that. Um, But Cam Newton applies more than pressure to Jared Stidham, right? It is the assumption that he unseats him. So if you're Jared Stidham this weekend and you see this news come across, you know, the wire, what are you thinking? I mean, look, there's... There's the one end, like, damn, I wanted to be the top guy. I was hoping to be the starting quarterback for this football team. This was my opportunity, right? There's going to be people who say, oh, I'll go out there, compete, show your fire. Listen, just, again, you're not as good as Cam Newton. 
And that's always kind of one of these things for me where it's just like, if I don't know, like I, it's hard for me to like relate to the idea of that Jared Stidham of like, oh, they just signed a guy who's obviously better than me. Like that's right. a weird spot to be in because it's probably better for the team. I think if Jared Stidham has a good head on his shoulders, if Jared Stidham is what they claim to be, then he will show up, continue to compete, right? Maybe win the job. I'm not buying that. Maybe win the job. And if anything goes wrong, be ready. Because also, too, the thing that they can tell Jared Stidham is, listen, you're in year two. He's on a one-year deal. Right. If keep growing, keep out, developing. Yeah. This is say it's a great opportunity for you for you to learn from someone like Cam Newton the same way it was Tom Brady. He's still young, right? So they can sell and look. I, I trust Bill Belichick. They can sell Stidham plenty to keep his morale high. All right, fair enough. Well, listen, we have finished the roster reset of the New England Patriots. We just talked. You know, Kev, about the AFC playoff picture, which neither one of us had the Patriots involved in. This is clearly a move that moves the needle, right? I would say the, you know, this is probably the player out there that was without a team that moves you know, the whole calculation of everything the most, right? Maybe some could argue that if Jadavion Clowney fit with the right exact context, with the right exact team, that it could move the context of some playoff, you know, futures some more. But I think this is the name. And we've done so many uh, kind of projections and previews of the Pats. And there's so many ways to think about how this now moves, right? There's a number of lines that have moved as a result of this. I'm thinking about it also, Kev, from the fantasy aspect. We do diamonds and fugazis for the New England Patriots. I got to tell you, I think the addition of Cam helps some players, and I think it hurts some players. For example, I'll give you one right now. Remember, Cam Newton, for every team he's ever been on, has been the goal line back. (laughs) Right. What does the end? Tom Brady is no stranger to the fourth and one QB sneak, the one yard line QB sneak. Right now you have Cam in that spot and McDaniels and Belichick. They use that when in close. I don't think that foretells good things from my guy, the stereotype Sony Michelle, who was going to be the kind of goal line touchdown dependent back. If Cam eats into that, which you got to assume he will then, you know, I think it's a uh, a bad move for him. Uh, we'll see if you agree. We'll see if there's any players that this helps. And we will redo and see our fortunes on the New England Patriots because, boy, have the numbers moved. We are off and running. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back into the early line right here on SportsGrid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. Going around the NFL, and really the biggest story in the NFL is that the New England Patriots have signed Cam Newton. This is something we've been kind of waiting for. We've been waiting for this shoe to drop. You know, everyone kind of had connected these dots on social media. You always have the Bill Belichick walking into the arena anytime a name comes up. But it has, in fact, happened. He's got a one-year incentive-laden deal that could get up to $7.5 million. Kevin and I both think that Cam Newton will obviously win the starting quarterback job as long as health is there. And based on, you know, what we've seen on Instagram, it is. Now, Kev, last week... We were talking about like the week one spreads and the impacts in COVID with no fans and stuff like that. And one of the things we remember saying, or I remember saying, is that these these books, they they could up they put up power rankings and indexes and it's a formula, right? And I have seen before, I have been surprised before that players who are MVPs really only move the needle like a point and a half. You know, like if the if Aaron Rodgers got hurt. It changes the point spreads by like a point and a half or two points for the Green Bay Packers, right? It's hard to have any one player be such a force that moves the needle. But the difference from 
Jared Stitham as the expectation to Cam Newton as the expectation has moved the kind of odds in the Patriots' favor. For example, if you look at the AFC East odds, we have been talking about them. The Pats and the Bills were co-favorites for a long time at plus 130. Now, if you look, the Pats are even money, and the Bills have moved up to plus 160. We keep You kept on saying that you were becoming bigger and bigger on Buffalo as we continue to do so. Now, if you still like the Bills, Kev, you get better value. Um, does this move, in your opinion, I know you had the Pats at, I believe, six or seven wins. We didn't have them in the playoffs. Does this change the fortune for you um, do you think the Pats are deserving AFC East favorites? Yeah, so my thing is, right, and of course you, you're you right to point out that any player, no matter how good, can only move lines so much, right? But when it's a quarterback, it's a pretty big thing. And when you're going from, from everything we can tell, this guy's not good, to a guy who won MVP, you know, within the last five years, yeah. right? Yeah, when 15-1 like, took his team to a Super Bowl. To me, the the lines have not moved a ton. And the one thing is, it's not about, right, Cam Newton being better than Jared Stidham. Again, yes, of course, right? It's him versus last year's Tom Brady. And I went and I looked at Cam's 2018 season. 2019 played like twice. I'm throwing right. that out. I don't care about Now, 2018 still involved injuries, okay? Yes. So still about the first half of the Wasn't season. Wasn't he, like, incredible the first, like, seven or eight games? Through, through the first eight games, he was probably a top five MVP candidate, right? Right. But it also had some bad cam in there. So the 2018 season where he played 14 games to Tom Brady's 2019 season, they threw the same amount of touchdowns. Cam did throw five more interceptions, but his yards per attempt was uh, 0.6 higher. He also completed 67.9% of his passes in That's that 2018 nice. season compared to Tom Brady's and you know what? 8. That was part of the narrative, right? Wasn't North Turner in there in Carolina? And it was a different offense specifically to get the ball out of Cam's hands quicker. They have as the Carolina Panthers also. And this is important, Kev. You know, for a while in Cam's tenure in Carolina, right, they had like Devin Funchess, Greg Olson. They had big-bodied, long-armed wide receivers. The catch radius was big. Then they changed. Okay, they changed to North Turner, and their wide receivers changed. And instead of being the front line of a basketball team, it became guys like DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, where you could get the ball out and then let those guys do the work, thus an increasing completion percentage. And it was working under North until the injuries hit. Yeah, it was. And that's the thing about Cam, is that his 2018 season, including the injured pieces of it, right? Right. The, the, he was better than Brady last year was. That that's he was. And now he did did he enjoy better weapons in that 2018 season. There were still guys banged up. Curtis Samuel was banged up. I know they had McCaffrey. James right. White can come in and fill a role. The coaching, North Turner, again, was great. We've seen that North Turner, though, recommended Cam Newton to Bill Belichick. Sure. Between Belichick and Josh McDaniels here, I think that this team has taken an upgrade. Forget Jared Stidham on Hell what yeah. they got from Brady last year. And mm -hmm. what they got from Brady last year was enough to have this team with a chance at having a bye week right. in the playoffs, a 12-4 and four finish for this football team. So I am significantly higher on this team. I, I don't think this is overreacting. I think we're talking about going from a quarterback who I completely have no faith in Right. To a quarterback that I'm pretty I'm pretty high on right now. Yeah, I mean it's a quarterback with an MVP on his resume. And I this is gonna sound silly when I come when it comes out of my mouth, but McDaniels also found the way to like use Tim Tebow. Right. Um, in packages. And so Cam brings some of that skill set as well. It's going to be very interesting to see how McDaniels uses Tim. Uh, excuse me, not Tim Tebow, Cam Newton. Do you think this is a playoff team now? Because we didn't have them in the playoffs. And now, as I look, their number has changed. Not only are they the favorites in the AFC East, but their yes bet to make the playoffs is now minus 230. I'll also tell you in the AFC, they were the third choice. They're still the third choice. But their AFC Conference Championship odds has gone down from 10 to 1. 
down to seven to one. So, you know, you say it hasn't moved too much, but there has been this. The books are severely, you know, changing their projections for the Patriots. They do think this is a playoff team. They do think this team wins the division. They do think this team has a much better shot to really kind of, you know, I mean, they're in the, it's almost like they're joining the tier of the Chiefs and the Ravens on some level. Now, that may be a bridge too far for you, Kev, but as I look in the AFC, right, Chiefs are plus 310, Ravens are 340, okay? The Pats were 10 to 1. They're now 7 to 1. You know, they have cut the gap, let's put it, in half. You know, they've cut the gap in half between where they were uh, to, you know, KC and Baltimore to where they are now. You seem to think that this move warrants that movement. Yeah, I would say that the Patriots being in a group of their own makes sense. They don't okay. have the ceiling or the really the talent of the Chiefs or the, of the Ravens, right? You look at the teams immediately behind them, right, with the Colts and the Steelers. Indeed. There are some big question marks for them. They're, they're, There's not big questions for the Patriots, even under Cam. It's new. We don't have the gathering to practice. The same thing we've talked about, right? No joint practices, only two preseason games. All the things that made it harder for some other players that we've talked about recently. It's got to make it harder for Cam, too. Right. So what I was going to say is, as much uh, as those they have questions, the Patriots have very, very similar ones. But where they get to move on to a group of their own is they have a guy that you trust to answer any and all questions. And honestly, has probably answered a lot of them coming into this in being Bill Belichick. You, you, we've seen people talk about the idea of how they've always been an, a forward-thinking team. They've always tried to be in front of the curve. Now, they certainly got beat to the curve with what the Ravens were doing with Lamar Jackson. And yeah. I'm not sure about Cam Newton handling anywhere near that kind of workload. But the fact that this Patriots offense, right, struggled so much last year. I think them going full makeover, right? And adjusting it completely for Cam Newton. Now I'm I'm I am much higher on the offensive outlook for this football team. They're going to be unpredictable. I'll I'll quickly bring true. up an old game from this team. It was the season where Brady was suspended the first 4 games. Garoppolo starts the first two, gets hurt, which was Brissette, incredible, yeah. like which was crazy. Brissett starts a Thursday nighter against the yep. Houston Texans. Sure did. I thought the Texans were going to slaughter them. I love the Texans that year. Brock Osweiler was obviously terrible, right? right? But then Brissett was running and stuff like, yeah. And I remember saying to myself going into the game, I'm like, how are they going to win with Brissett? Short notice. I don't get this. And I realized the answer was, Belichick's always prepared. QB off tackle wanted, is the way. Yeah, right. He knew what he wanted to do with Jacoby Brissett. He goes... Bill O'Brien was at a disadvantage because there's no idea what Belichick's going to do. I think that they can come out here legitimately. I'm, I don't remember the, the first you know, couple of games from the schedule. I think they're going to be able to catch teams by surprise. I think they're going to get the ball rolling early. And I think that they're going to have the confidence under Cam Newton. Again, the last time we saw Cam healthy, it's not 2015. It's those first eight games. Where is an MVP candidate? And he was fantastic. He was yep. fantastic. He's had, you know, he's fixed up the shoulder. He's fixed up the foot. I I am very optimistic on now this Cam Newton-led Patriots football team. You know, it's interesting, and I mentioned the Tim Tebow stuff. You talked about Jacoby Brissett. They have utilized this kind of package before, and there seems to be a movement, right, of more and more teams are realizing that that dual-threat quarterback, even that threat, is very important. Remember, the Chargers have said they wanted to move on and get a dual-threat quarterback. That's the reason Phillip Rivers isn't there anymore. And also, you know, the idea of he's only got a one-year deal there, right? So if I'm the Patriots, I ain't trying to manage this long-term. I'm going to chew him up and spit him out. I'm going to run Cam, you know, because it's a low-risk thing. Even if he gets hurt, he's on a one-year deal. You know, it's not like he got to manage his health the way the Texans have to manage Deshaun Watson in a long-term way, the way the Cardinals have to care about Kyler Murray in a long-term way, the way the Ravens have to care about Lamar Jackson in a long-term way. Cam is more of a commodity here for New England to kind of be used. You talked about the completion percentage that he had. I thought that this fades now for me, Sony Michelle, because of the potential of goal line work. Does this boost up Julian Edelman, in your opinion at all? The slot receiver, and we know Cam has experience with the North Turner kind of get-it-out West Coast offense. That's, 
you know, where Julian Edelman thrives. We have been saying that he is kind of the only, uh, uh, you know, Pro Bowl caliber target or weapon that is there. Do you think this helps guys like Julian Edelman? Does it help guys like James White? Because I think it hurts Sony Michelle. Do you see it benefiting these other kind of pass catchers? Yeah, I totally. I, I think that's a great point, right? And that now Sony Michelle, you're going to expect less touchdowns. Of course, I have, yeah. Of course, this has to be good for Julian Edelman. I mean, I mean, when we went through the the roster reset for this team, a lot of things were kind of pointing down. I loved where Julian Edelman was just simply based on the volume I was expecting him to right. get. I think the volume opportunity is still there, but I think his quarterback hasn't improved greatly. So, I, I mean, I looked at Julian Edelman as someone that belonged in a wide receiver two range. Now with Cam Newton, I, I'm ready to, like, start arguing and yelling at people over those that think he's still, you know, wide receiver 30. And, yes, some of that has to do with just how deep the wide receiver group is going into fantasy this year. But yeah. absolutely, I'm, I'm more excited for the Julian Edelman fantasy outlook. Absolutely. You asked before about those early matchups on the schedule. The Pats start at home against Miami, at Seattle, home for Las Vegas, and then at Arrowhead week four for the Kansas City Chiefs. So no easy schedule at Seattle, at Kansas City, but they may be more equipped with Cam. When we come back, we'll talk about this more, more moving numbers. Oh, yeah. And it's also not the only story involving the Patriots either. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds. Predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're watching SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Welcome back in here on the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. Kevin and I. Looking at all the angles here on the fact that Cam Newton has signed a one-year deal with the New England Patriots. And, you know, it's interesting, Kev, because I was always drawing attention to a specific bet on the board, Kev, that I thought could have been a value a long time ago before the man even had a team. And it was the idea of Cam Newton as the comeback player of the year in 2020, right? He was kind of... He was an option at like seven to one or nine to one, even before he was signed, because we all thought that if he was in the right place, he would have the idea, he would have the opportunity, at least, to be thought of in this way. And, you know, he's in a good opportunity now in New England. He moved all the way down to the second choice, Kev. He is now plus. 340 to win the comeback player of the year, second behind only another quarterback who we discussed a little bit last week, kind of getting back in the saddle, that being Big Ben. Big Ben still the favorite at 260. Now Cam at plus 340, Gronk, then J.J. Watt, another quarterback, Matthew Stafford, and on and on we go with the odds on FanDuel. Talk to me. You like Cam potentially at plus 340? I know off air you would tell me you think he should be the favorite. I do. I think he's... Because to me, I think Cam now is like, he feels like he is one of the three biggest stories of the NFL season, right? I would say that Brady and the Bucks are the biggest story of the season. Some combination of the Chiefs and the Ravens, can Lamar repeat, what's Mahomes going to be? And then I think Cam Newton in New England. And you can figure out the order maybe between can those I other put three stories. COVID in there, though? All right. Well, I mean, yeah, if we're going to talk about the overall <laughs> story that the season won't happen, sure. Um, but I, I think that Cam yeah, those storylines are real, yeah, such a big part of this story. And I also think we're in a situation though where a lot of people, from what I could tell, are rooting for Cam Newton. I think there's a lot of people that are, that are. It's this weird thing, I you know, but the Patriots are going to be somewhat likable this coming season. And I think we've also seen Brady since arriving to Tampa Bay become a bit more well-liked since huh. that's happened. It's this funny thing. Both sides separating has endeared them to uh, to the people, I think, that were always like, oh, not them again. So I just think that Cam Newton has a really good chance. I think the plus 340 number um, is more than worth a look. I mean, it's a that's a pretty stacked top three of yeah. guys. Because the thing is, right, the Comeback Player of the Year award is a narrative award right yeah 
the thing is, you look at those guys and they all have incredible narratives. Oh, like, if Big Ben takes that team to win the AFC North, right. we're going to start even talking MVP. If Cam Newton comes in and this team wins the AFC East, which they're favored to do, and that's why, to me, he should be the favorite because I think he has the easiest road to achieving what he needs to, boom. If Gronk comes in and catches double-digit touchdowns yeah. and Cam and Big Ben struggle, like, what a great opportunity for him. Again, I, I, I laughed at J.J. Watt. As I, I just feel like he's always on this award. I don't even know if he was, like, injured like that last year right. where he really should be on it. Stafford at 7-1. to one, I don't think the Lions are good enough. A.J. Right. Green. Weirdly, I tell you that Burrow might get even more credit than A.J. Green right. for Burrow being great. I don't know if the Alex Smith comeback's imminent. Nick Foles, you mentioned there's some interesting stuff with the Bears. Yeah. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll certainly get to. For sure. Like, I think that top three is a very justified top three for this award. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And we talk all the time about some of these awards. And is it really just a quarterback award? Or do other positions even have a chance? And I look at this, especially with the two big boys at the top with Big Ben and Cam. I look at this as a two-horse race, as a as a quarterback-driven award. I'll tell you, uh, in mid to late December, show me who has a better record, the Steelers or the Patriots. Right. And I'll tell you who should win this award, assuming these guys do play games and are not, you know, missing time due to injury or coronavirus or anything like that. You know, now both the Steelers and the Patriots are minus money to make the playoffs. Whichever one winds up being a higher seed, I think that quarterback is going to win. They're pretty the similar teams here. in a way, right? They are. Like very defense first. I think, yeah, but I th actually, I think the Steelers' offense is like you outside of the quarterback, still far better. Like, there is more weapons, I believe, in Pittsburgh than there is in New England. Um, and to be quite honest, with the departure of Kyle Van Noy, with the departure of Jamie Collins, I actually believe that the Steelers are a top-five defense. I don't know that I can make that statement for New England. I wonder if maybe the people will view the Steelers as just a better version of what the Patriots offer. But to be fair, Juju's the clear number one. Yes, we're yeah. excited about Deontay Johnson, but give it two weeks and Mohamed Sanu will be owned in every single league. The running back situation, James Conner is a product of the environment. Now, the offensive yeah, line... Well, I've been talking about as if we want him on our teams because he's an underrated bell cow. Oh, I'm excited about James Conner, well, okay. right? But, the, but it's a timeshare in New England. Overall, if you morphed it into one back, it'd be an RB1. I think so, right? Um, you know, Julian Edelman's there. I, I just, you know, Tomlin, Belichick, those are two of the top coaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I just also Pittsburgh defense is the is the is what gives them breathing room for me. Yeah, I, I think also by the way, coach of the year Belichick. I don't know if it moved has down. Not moved. Has not moved. So he was same odds as McCarthy. Yeah, he was a co-favorite. He was co-favorite okay. McCarthy, and that has not moved. I thought that was interesting myself. Would you say he 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 ta he takes a ding with Cam's arrival because the the narrative that now interesting one because we've always been talking about it, right? Like if somehow the Patriots played well this year, all the credit would go to Bill, right? But no, I I I don't think he takes a hit because of something you just said. Remember when you were talking about oh Jacoby Brissett was in, and you were like oh. That the Texans are going to steamroll in that one uh, primetime game. And yeah. then, no, Bill Belichick found the way to surprise people and keep them off guard. Now this package that McDaniels, Belichick, and Cam are going to come up with will still be attributed to Bill Belichick. So, no, I do think that he deserves to still be the kind of co-favorite. I was thinking about kind of the um, – the moving and shaking of the diamonds and the fugazis of it all when you look at the Patriots. But we will definitely see, obviously, the Patriots have made their move and they're going to be right back in the conversation. Even one of Kevin's top three storylines now of this NFL season, along with the crazy growth of the dynamic young quarterbacks in the AFC, uh, obviously Patty Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. I might even throw Deshaun Watson and Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold in that mix. Um, but yes, they will certainly be watched along with, you know, former quarterback in New England, Tom Brady, and what he does in Tampa Bay. However, this was not the only story about the New England Patriots that came this weekend. And, you know, call it a news dump, man. Like, the page, like the league loves the Patriots, okay? Because, like, oh, we destroyed the video 
of Spygate. We don't have to worry about Tom Brady's phone. And yeah, they were recording the Bengals for a documentary, the like 2 and 14 Bengals, and that's a whole nother topic for another day that they have to cheat to beat the damn Bengals of 2019. But I digress. Um, they did something wrong because they're being punished for it, Kevin. We now know what that punishment is. The Patriots organization has been fined $1.1 million and they are losing their 2021 third round draft pick. So much like Deflate Gate, much like Spy Gate, now there is another technical actual penalty because the Patriots were found to be cheating. It's amazing. It's so funny. I can't help but laugh, honestly, for a number of reasons. The first thing is, right, when it came to Cam, the whole time we were like, why not get this done? Now, I saw a lot of people sticking their chest out. This always made sense. Yeah, relax, buddy. We all knew it made sense. You justify why there was a three-month, four-month waiting period for an obvious move. Everyone looks good now, right, yeah. The thing is, I think maybe oh, we got give me the conspiracy the theory. Give I think conspiracy we maybe got theory. the answer as to why they waited on the cam announcement. Boom. Yeah, it's the same way that Major League Baseball waited on the Boston Red Sox announcement until it was under the cloud of COVID and coronavirus and no one would pay attention to it. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think the idea that they maybe had cam locked up for a little while and then they got the official ruling on what their punishments were and then dropped them somewhat simultaneously was absolutely fantastic. That's, that's, that's mastery. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's, they've been there before. They've got experience in this. They've been penalized before. Now, yes, the thing is, right, you get caught once, okay. You get caught twice, three times with penalties. Listen, if you're a Patriots fan, Real hard to sell me that the league has it out for you. Real hard to sell me that this is all a coincidence. But I will tell what I will offer you this though, Patriots fans. It's worth it. Because let's be honest. Let's be honest. When we tell the tales of the Patriots dynasties, right? How many things do we get to before the opening paragraph? Yeah. We don't we don't lead off with oh, they were littered with cheating scandals throughout their run. Just don't. So, yeah, it was unsurprising. Yeah, it's worth it. Honestly, like if a player decides to take steroids, right, gets suspended for the 80 games, but then after that returns and still gets a four-year, $83 million contract, it's worth it to them, right? In the same way, the Patriots will have been, will be lauded as a dynasty that stretched over two decades, but let's not forget they spied on the Rams. Marshall Falk, who has been on this air, has told the story about why it was obvious. The deflate gate thing, it happened. There's actual penalties. Tom Brady destroyed his phone. Okay. They literally were filming the worst team in the league to get reads on whether it's their hand signals. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was a documentary. My bad. There's also, I mean, you know, Kev, there's other like lower order things here. There have been multiple rules in the NFL that have been changed after the Patriots exploited them. Okay. Do you remember the playoff game against the Baltimore Ravens when they were doing the weird unbalanced line thing, not covering up and Harbaugh said it in the press conference after the game. And then the commission, the competition committee changed the rule afterwards. Oh yeah. The tuck rule came into favor all the way back when new England, you know, somehow got past the Oakland Raiders in the snow. Like, these things continue to happen, and you're right, Kev, but it will ultimately not tarnish the velour of the Patriots dynasty. And if you ask me, that is unfortunate. But they will not have a third-round pick in 2021. Why? Because the Patriots cheated last year. When we come back, there's other stories here from the NFL. Kevin was mentioned a big-time live movement that has nothing to do with the Patriots, but it does have to do with his boy. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line here on SportsGrid, giving you the edge. And you know something, Kev, when Cam Newton signs with New England, one of the places I went to was at our friends at FanDuel. They had that tab up for, like, the next team, you know, and in the past, we've discussed these odds, obviously, the idea of Jared Stidham under center week one. And by the way, Jared Stidham is still a live bet for that, who will actually be the Patriots' starter in week one, because, you know, someone can get COVID, he could not win the job. There's all sorts of other injuries. It's still possible, but they have taken that bet down. The only team left, Kev, where they still are hanging that bet at our partners on FanDuel for the week one starter is the Chicago Bears. We've talked about this a lot, the Trubisky versus Foles. We've talked about it in the context of potentially only two preseason games and no joint practices, Mitchell Trubisky being inspired by the trade for Nick Foles. But as we've been following this market, at one point, correct me if I'm wrong, Kev, Nick Foles became a big-time favorite. I believe he was even up to minus three bills at one point. Uh, there's movement now. Big-time movement, okay? Now, Trubisky is the favorite in this market. Now, at minus 130, he was plus money. What's this about, Kev? I honestly don't know why. I know we're trying to read reports. We're trying to read some coach speak and buzz, other teammates. But this is a dramatic move for the idea of who's going to start under center for the Bears. Yeah, I've tried to figure this out. I saw, you know, Ted Ginn um, made a comment saying that he believes Trubisky will be the quarterback, but nice. then also said, I will play, you know, we'll go out there and compete for whoever the guy is is going to be – I saw uh, – I believe it was John DiFilippo was on a podcast and mentioned, uh, you know, oh, people forget Trubisky was the quarterback for a 12-win Bears team. Ask Bears fans if yeah. that team could have won 12 they games. They also had a generational defense that year, but that's right. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah. could could those things have encouraged a or a couple gamblers to head over to the FanDuel Sportsbook and put down some wagers? They would have to put down some wagers that were sizable, Kev. Yeah, because I don't think that Vandal would have moved these odds on basically a piece of news that went past both of us. And even upon research, it isn't really we news. It's a random team wide receiver just giving a quote that's just coach speak. In essence, like, we'll rally behind whoever it is. You know, that, I mean, yeah, like, that's the point I'm making. Yeah. Like, there's, like, it, Vandal's not saying, oh, guys. Ted Ginn, flip it, flip the right. whole. No, that didn't right. happen, right? Now, could the, could what Ted Ginn has said? I mean, let let's not forget people. Mitch Trubisky, right, was the player that got the most MVP bets last year. What a ridiculous thing that was. People weirdly have this faith in Mitch Trubisky, and you know they're only going to move to the lines. The other thing is, right, and I guess we can't rule this out. Sometimes people get intel. Right? People get information. Yeah. I saw a lot of people yesterday, and look, maybe they were just pretending, right? I saw a lot of people yesterday saying, oh, I was always expecting Cam to end up in New England. Oh, we always right. knew there was that now. some interest. In, right? And that's the thing. Everyone's saying it now. But maybe it was true. Maybe, you know, there's of, course, there's, of course, going to be rumblings around the league that only certain people get to know. But maybe somebody outside of that group heard some stuff. And I guess my thought on this would just be to keep our ears to the ground. If something came out where, I don't know, Foles got banged up. I mean, what would have to happen to justify this type of move? So, and that's the thing. And we talk about this all the time. The numbers you see on any book, including our partners at FanDuel, is not necessarily what the books think will happen. It is what will generate even money on both sides. So my answer to you is that money has come in on Mitch Trubisky. Like, that is the answer. Like, right. factually, that's what's happened here, right? Like, that is what moves the line. I don't know what the rationale of the betters 
who put that money into the market is, you're right, maybe they got a tip. You're right, maybe they're just Mitch Trubisky fans. Maybe they believe in Ted Ginn Jr. Maybe they have intel. I don't, that I don't know, and that I'd love to try to figure out. But what we do know, factually, is that a ton of money has come in on Mitchell Trubisky in this bet. So there's some Trubisky fans out there. That's the answer. And the one thing about Trubisky that was different from, say, where the Fitzpatrick market, right, with him yeah. versus Tua Tungavailoa, that's no longer uh, available, at least currently, is that, right, oh, well, Fitz, Fitzpatrick has the ability of being the incumbent, right? He is, so you know, Trubisky. not going... The thing with Trubisky, though, is that Foles has ties to not only John Filippo but also Nagy. And yeah. I think we would be very silly to think that a guy they signed in March or traded for, right? That they, though, will on July be like, oh, good to finally talk to you. Here's the offense. I have to think, right, that he's been going through this set. So, like, I understand there's going out there and there's putting game reps in, right? But in terms of, like, being on balance, right, to go out there and put up enough reps that win you the job, I don't think Trubisky's at that incumbent advantage that, unless you think Trubisky's rapport, but the thing is, like, again, Trubisky's rapport with Allen Robinson. No, Allen Robinson's fantastic, but Trubisky's bad. Like, the thing is, what we're basically doing is, and I think this is the point that you're making, and I'll just reiterate it. Right now, we're not trying to figure out, I guess, what caused the line movement. More as we're trying to figure out why people bet Trubisky <laughs> so heavily, which caused this line movement. Yeah, I think that's right. The only other thing I could throw out there, right, is in the last week, Kevin, we have heard pieces of news like no joint practices, like the potential for a very truncated preseason with only two games, right? And we have even said, we talked about the Bears situation specifically when there was two game, when we thought there may be only two preseason games, right? And here's what I'll say. Maybe those, this is what I could believe could be a consistent formulaic thing on this. Maybe those pieces of news were enough to move all of those week one's lines. And for the Dolphins, it moved it enough in the favor of the incumbent to take it off the board. For the Chargers, it moved it enough to take the incumbent, Terod Taylor, off the board. It, it, it had such a swing. But for Chicago, it was enough to swing it from plus 250, whatever Mitch was at, to minus 130. But the swing was not enough to take it off the board. Maybe these pieces of news have given an overall advantage or movement towards the incumbent. And it was so much in Miami, so much for the Chargers, that it was enough to take it off the board, but just not enough for Chicago. But it does so, still does represent a dramatic movement. Maybe. I, just, I just think that the, the, Trubisky's arguments, right? He do, He's not more familiar with Filippo than Foles is. He's just not, right? He's obviously got a, you know, a little bit more so, I guess, with Nagy just working a bit closer to him. But chemistry be damned. He's not good. He didn't He didn't work well with those guys. What chemistry? The chemistry could be widely improved upon, right? Where, like, Justin Herbert and Tua Tungabailoa are adjusting to being right. in the NFL during a pandemic, right? Like, so that gives such an edge to Tyrod and Fitzpatrick. And For sure. There's, there's also these situations, right, where, like, is Tua going to play health-wise? Mm-hmm. Anthony Lynn... If he says another good word about, like, Tyrod Taylor, right, Tyrod's going to be like, hey, dude, it's getting a little creepy. Like, he loves Tyrod Taylor. He loves Tyrod Taylor. None of this applies to Trubisky. None of it. So, like, I I hear you. And I I enjoy trying to figure out the why, (laughs) right? But I think we might be having a situation here comparable to the fact that he was the heaviest bet MVP guy on the board. Yeah, some random dude bet a million dollars on him. He moved the number. There's just people with blinders when it comes to Trubisky, and I, I think right now, I think it's a losing bet. I would say this, to, to put a nice bow on this, I'll give out a bet. I bet, bet Foles at minus now. 110. Right, it's the best Why number you can get for Foles. 
Yeah, because that's the best number you're going to get for Foles. And you think that Foles will ultimately win this competition. Right. You're just getting better value than you ever had before. The open question is the amount of faith that this organization has in Mitchell Trubisky. There are some other news and notes, you know, I'm seeing. And this is the kind of thing you want to see with a new quarterback. This is the year. This is the time of year where everyone should be in the best shape of their lives. Everybody should be looking great. You know, Big Ben looked great on Instagram. You know, the new offensive coordinator is happy and ecstatic with the way Joe Burrow looks. And we have more kind of fluff news, this time in Carolina, where they love Teddy Bridgewater so far. And they think, you know, with Rule and Brady, that he is going to, quote-unquote, go downfield more because of the changing weapons there. That sounds like Robbie Anderson best ball. Hello. But I want to ask you, what kind of faith do you have in this? Because in Carolina, for example, about two years ago, I remember Ron Rivera at this time of the year being like, yo, we're going to give Christian McCaffrey like 25 touches a game. And no one believed it. Everyone was like, yeah, all right, bro. And then what happened? Christian McCaffrey turned into an actual bell cow. So is it all coach speak? Or sometimes, as we hear in society, when people reveal themselves to you, believe them. Do you think this offense is going to be more downfield, even with Christian McCaffrey there, with DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, and Robbie Anderson? How do you think this is going to look in Carolina? Yes. I'm sure they'll try and push it downfield. Burrow pushed it downfield all the time at LSU, right? And everyone's excited about Joe Brady and what he can help bring yeah. to uh, this Panthers team. The personnel, though, gives me pause. Robbie, like DJ Moore is not necessarily the best deep threat. Curtis Samuel, again, it's more gadget stuff. Maybe we're misreading those players. Maybe there's going to be an Robbie, opportunity. Though. I mean, well, of course there's Robbie, right? But like, he is one of the top four options on this team. Yes. The idea that now you're going to just be like a downfield passing attack based on option four of four, it doesn't really land for me. Now, again, maybe they're going to just want to push it downfield in general a bit more. Maybe they feel like they didn't do that. The thing is, they didn't do anything. None of these guys were here, right? Right. So they're, they're not a, a bigger downfield passing offense based on anything other than the fact that they've never existed before as a group i just think it's this is one of the more interesting situations to me because there is a report out there that they are already interested in the 2021 quarterback class justin <laughs> fields trevor lawrence your right. boy uh trey lance right yeah but like the idea that teddy bridgewater is going to go out there and put up a stinker i'd be hesitant on there's a lot of good weapons there matt rule and joe brady if they're worth what, what people believe, I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to go out there and probably put up some decent numbers. They're, the Panthers are a really oddball team to me coming into this season. I agree, and that NFC South is a very interesting division with a lot of movement, whether it's Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, or Todd Gurley, for goodness sakes. When we come back in hour number two, a couple more football stories I want to bounce off of you, Kevin. Then we turn our attention to baseball. We know we're going to have a season, and there's some guys who would have been out for opening day, but already now, we'll talk about their impacts in hour number two of the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 